Hello, everyone, and welcome to Random 101. I'm your host, William Zimmer, and I am joined today with routine guest speaker, Zach. Hello. And first-time guest speaker, my best friend, and our second guest speaker, Monica. Hello. <laughs> and today we're going to be talking about cooking. Uh, but before we talk about cooking, Monica, I like to ask all of my guest speakers, um, how or what their experience with chiropractic has been and if they'd want to just give a little background on that. So my experience with chiropractics is pretty minimal. Um, a couple of things that I do know, especially in my area where I live, it is very hard to find a good chiropractor. Um, that every single one has some sort of way they go about practicing this, um, whether they're more into supplements versus more into muscle manipulation. So just trying to find uh, a one that I'm comfortable with going and how that fits into my schedule, it's pretty difficult. Uh, other than that, I do get my ear chatted off quite a bit with Will every time he comes to visit <laughs> um, with what he does in school and what he's doing now. So I've, yeah, I've looked into a lot of the chiropractors and I've shadowed a handful of chiropractors in Monica's area. Um, and they do have, they all have their little special niche. And so Monica and I have talked a little bit about, um, kind of what she's looking for. I've given her some recommendations on what to look for when going to offices. Um, but yeah, it's been really fun educating my friends about chiropractic, helping them find chiropractors. And uh, I look forward to continue helping Monica find a good chiropractor, um, somebody that she really connects with and enjoys. So anything Thanks. else that you wanna talk about before we get into cooking, Monica? Not, I guess I could introduce myself a little more. Um, yeah, let's let's do that. Um, so I guess you and I we met in our very first year of undergrad, and we immediately clicked and became really good friends. And um, we both kind of graduated in the science field. So I graduated with biology, a little bit of chemistry background, and then I got my master's in environmental health and science, and I'm working in that field. Uh, and just all through my life, I have been cooking. And so um, that's why you get stuck with this topic today, I guess, with me. <laughs> I somehow I somehow got coined the, the chef of the friend group. So yeah. That is definitely true. Um... Monica is one of the best friends that I got to live with my senior year of undergrad. So that was about four, three, four years ago. Uh, so I got to experience a lot of her cooking and she helped me develop some of my own cooking skills, which is pretty neat. So uh, I really look forward to having this conversation because uh, Monica's always sending our group chat pictures of what she's making and telling us details of how she went about it and she definitely explores a lot and it's really interesting to see the different things that she puts together both from recipes and then how she tweaks it to make it her own so I'm really excited to talk about cooking today because I'm going to get more insight into how to better cooking plus I'm going to be living on my own soon in the next couple of weeks to months possibly have been living on my own depending on pe when people listen to this <laughs> um but uh i'm really looking forward to just gleaning some more information and tips and tricks from you i love that you said um experience rather than taste like her cooking is a whole experience not just a flavor <laughs> cooking is an experience both the making it tasting it eating it comparing it with other things like cooking and eating is an experience and shouldn't just be about taste the whole process to it so it's it's yeah ex exactly there's an experience not just you make something you taste it maybe it's good eh, maybe not but it's there's a lot of fun and experimenting in it which 
is awesome. That's why I love cooking so much. So let's just jump right into that. Um, you enjoy cooking. When did you start cooking? Just give us a little cooking background, Chef Monica. <laughs> <laughs> so I, gosh, as long as I could remember, I just always rem remember helping my mom cook in the kitchen from basically when I could stand and reach the table, uh, whether it was just helping her stir things. Every Christmas we'd make uh, cookies and I'd always be helping her in the kitchen. She probably didn't enjoy it as much because I always made the big mess. But, <laughs> and I was, I was very fortunate. Both of my parents are amazing cooks and, um, I, it just looking at other, other people, my partner, he, his family just didn't cook as much. And so when he got all his homemade meals at his grandmother's, so and that's kind of where he got inspired to learn to cook and things like that. And so, and I still have friends and family that they eat out every single meal and it just, it baffles me. So I, cause it's, it's just a hobby, a, a passion really. And so, yeah, started very young and it just stuck with me. Yeah. And while cooking is a little more time consuming than going out to eat, cooking your own meals can be and probably most likely is a lot more cost effective than eating out every can day. confirm can't literally can <laughs> confirm. <laughs> i eat out like or rather i used to eat out a lot um i've recently started doing or cooking my own meals and it's much more cost effective so monica what is the difference between cooking and baking or how would you describe the cook difference between cooking and baking because i feel like that some they sometimes get mixed up or combined in a lot of cases. But um, when you say cooking, what does that mean? So I would say, so the cook difference in my eyes between cooking and baking is cooking. There are things that do involve baking for sure. Cooking, you're sautéing things, you're grilling, you're using a lot of different ingredients, whether it's sweet versus savory and with baking, it's more so you have some, you have your flour and eggs and you're throw, mixing things together and throwing it in the oven. So I, in my eyes, I do combine baking a little bit and cooking, um, I guess. <laughs> sure. It's almost like they are too, like they do get mixed a lot together because you can, you bake like casseroles, but casseroles tend to be more dinnery foods and dinnery foods are tend to be considered cooked items versus baked items whereas baking almost goes more towards sweets specifically um but they do kind of mix up hand in hand but when they, you refer oh go ahead <laughs> sorry yeah they do especially go hand in hand and i i feel that the baking terminology is used more with breads and cookies and cakes and things like that um but yes there's uh, there's different techniques as well sure and cooking tends to go more on stovetop where baking tends to be more oven related mm -hmm. so let's just let you go off monica and see like what kind of things do you like to cook um how do you go about uh planning those meals and just start given some advice to um, our class to see uh, what things might pop up for Zach and I for questions because we'll just get right into it because I really like cooking is such a broad topic and there's really no good place to start so I'll just let you go for it and we'll converse as we go along. Sure. Uh, so I guess to start off with I one of the reasons that I love cooking and food in general is because you can experience the world through food. Um, I love trying different um, dishes from different cultures and areas, and it's it's really neat. You get to learn a lot of different spice. I'll, I'll call them spice palettes. Uh, like Indian cuisine is a lot different than than. Um, 
dishes from South America versus East Asia and versus European dishes. And it's it's great. It's I shouldn't say great. It's it's awesome to just kind of see how all those different things come together. You'll be using the same things, but different quantities and amounts of or a little bit extra of this certain spice can change the dish yeah. completely. <laughs> and that can be very intimidating by uh, beginning cooks, just opening up a spice drawer and like, <laughs> what what do I throw in here? <laughs> so I guess the best advice that I can give for somebody just, that's just learning how to cook is learn the basic recipes, um, whether that's just how do you learning to make scrambled sure. eggs <laughs> versus um, an Alfredo sauce. That's another one. That's a very easy one. And you can, once you master it, once you master those basic recipes then you can evolve them into different things, you can add a little extra of this, or you can throw in a different spice of that. And you just experiment with your food it, have fun so, with it. Uh, that, so plus, what you're saying oh, is that, cooking is really a science of just trial and error and see what you like versus what you don't like, what works, what turns out well and what doesn't turn out. And you kind of use your scientific method of, I think this would taste good. You throw it in there. And then your hypothesis is that it's going to taste good. You try it later and you're like, yes or no. And you go back to confirm or deny your hypothesis throwing in some of our science background that we've got. <laughs> that how I, when I'm creating my own recipes, that is kind of what I do, yes. Um, usually I, I'll find recipes and you mentioned this when you're introducing me, I will find recipes just randomly and if it looks good, yeah, I'll try it. But a lot of times they'll be pretty bland looking in the spice region. So, I've been cooking long enough that I do know other spices that will go complement that those main flavors of the dish. So I have a book recommendation that's really good that I found uh, learning just flavor pairings um, that I can discuss sure. later. About. And you mentioned beginning cooks and everything. They should find something or they should explore different options and look for basic recipes. I know me as a beginning cook, in college, I don't really have money to go out and buy cookbooks and stuff, which is like the old school way to get recipes and everything. So what are some cost effective ways that you've obtained recipes to get those different cuisines from around the world um, without breaking the bank and having a million cookbooks sitting on your counter? I do love cookbooks. So I do have probably more <laughs> than I should. Um, but Exactly. They're expensive. <laughs> uh, so a lot of resources that I use is actually, we're in today's age, we have the internet. You can find just about any answer to a question that you could think of. YouTube. There's a couple of different people that I follow that are amazing cooks and they explain things very well. And that's really helped with my cooking as well. Um, so some of the people that I follow on YouTube are like Binging with Babbage. Uh, another one that I also enjoy is You Suck at Cooking. It's so funny and they're very, <laughs> he's very uh, sarcastic and it's it's great. But it's it's very good resources as well. You get a lot of information from them and they explain it in a very easy to learn manner. That's awesome. If you want to send me the links to those audios or to those channels, I'll post them in the link of the bio for this episode so that people can explore those. I guess I can also go over a few tips that I had um, for people learning to cook as well. Uh, the very first one tip that I have is based off of the equipment and tools you have for cooking and that is to use a sharp knife um it it's a lot safer actually and because when you have a sharp knife it makes it very cuts through the things very smooth um but if you have a dull knife it it you're using a lot of extra force and things can not cut and kind of jump off to the side and you that's where you have most of your accidents and 
we we don't want people cutting their fingers. Um, and there's, you really don't need to spend a whole lot of money on different tools and equipment for cooking, especially knives because good knives are also very expensive. Um, so you really only need two different style of knives for starting off in cooking, and that's your chef's knife, which is a little bit bigger, and a uh, paring knife. You actually use probably 90% of your cutting and cooking you can do with those two knives. Once you get more skilled and you find your, I guess, niche of cooking, you might then get into some more specialty knives like your... Um, forgot the name of them <laughs> uh you're like vegetable cleavers as or like bread knives and things like that so i highly recommend getting those two knives and make sure they're sharp uh, so just a sharp knife and a paring knife a chef a to chef start knife. off chef knife got yep. it but sharp chef, kn yeah. chef knife and sharp paring knife and if you notice that they're starting to get dull uh you don't necessarily need to invest in a knife sharpener. A lot of places nearby will have some sort of um, knife sharpening. A lot of them, I guess, also have the companies also will, you can send them to them and they will sharpen them for you. Um, oh, I didn't know that. I thought I like, did not know that either. like a sharpener, like a hope that the knife block that you got has a sharpener on it. <laughs> there are also some cheap options. Um, I used to work at a, a gourmet food store. Surprise, surprise! And we had a lot of <laughs> <laughs> we had a lot of different um, styles of knife sharpeners that um, are really simple to use. There's ones where you can just set you can there there are electric options, and then there's some manual ones where you just run the knife through, and it it works really well. So there are some cheap options for keeping for knife sharpeners as well. But yes, yeah, some quite a few name brand knives they do have some sort of um way where you can send them to the company and they'll sharpen them for you real quick um i don't know if this is true this is just something that i heard so maybe you can confirm this but uh i don't remember where i heard it but you can sharpen a knife along the top part of another knife that like the part that you don't cut on is that true uh i have not tried that personally i to be honest i actually have not heard that um, usually knife, I guess knife sharpening things are different material. I don't have a good answer for this one, to be honest. <laughs> we should just go with no, because it does still sound dangerous. It does. Like, I, it, the thing with knife sharpening is things have to be at a certain angle. And so to use, uh, the top of a knife, another knife, makes that very difficult to do um whereas if you have a uh like a, a wet a sharpening stone it's a bigger surface area so you can i guess see your angle a little bit better um, mm -hmm. i guess that's the best answer i can give for that so our recommendation is do no, not try don't to try sharpen that. your own knife don't try this at home <laughs> folks <laughs> don't sharpen your knife on top of another knife get uh, either send them in to the company who made them or get a specific knife sharpener because they tend to be more safe, especially for beginning um, cooks because <laughs> yes, and there are cheaper uh, there are cheap options of knife sharpeners, so it's okay, guys. <laughs> how often do you have to replace your knives? Uh, how often do you replace them? To be honest, you can. You don't need, if you take good care of your knives, you don't actually need to replace them. They should last a lifetime, really. If you get nicks and dents in them, then it's a lot of work to get them back to a good shape. Um, you have to usually grind out those um, nicks, and it takes quite a long time to do that. That's when you send them into the professionals. <laughs> Sure. Um, so yeah, you actually, if you if you take care of them well, if you store them properly, do not just throw them in your drawer, your utensil drawer that does a lot of damage to them. Um, if you store them properly and 
keep them sharp and ba balanced as well, they can last a lifetime. So a, a good knife set is a decent investment that should last you the entire time that you need to use them, yes. which is good to know. Also, don't throw your knives in the dishwasher. The heat, as well as being tossed around in the thing, that's how they dull really quickly and get those nicks and, and dents. Well, I'm going to have to replace my knives then. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. The more you know. <laughs> that's awesome those th that's i didn't know a lot of that information so that's Same. really cool especially um, the dishwasher part <laughs> <laughs> um so we've talked about kind of prepping where you can get ideas for meals we've talked about some of the utensils like the important utensils that you need besides like the standard pots pans spatulas and everything because um, those are all kind of basic and pretty straightforward. Um, you can kind of get generic stuff. And from my experience, you can kind of get generic stuff for those until you become really good at cooking. And then you kind of figure out what's going to be better for certain things. What kind of pan, like cast iron versus a metal pan versus a glass pan kind of deal. Um, are there preferences or things that you have in regards to materials of pans for cooking monica to be honest i use a variety of different materials for pans i have a cast iron pan i have nonstick. i have different kinds of nonstick as well there's a couple of different materials that they use um, um i use different materials depending on what i'm cooking with uh i have cast iron i have non couple of different types of nonstick. I usually don't use stainless steel, but I do know that it works well for a lot of people. Another friend has a a bird which cannot have any type of nonstick because it's very toxic. So depending on the situation and what you're cooking, things will work better. You don't necessarily want to use acidic food with, I believe, stainless steel or yeah, stainless steel because it can change the flavor, I guess, in them. So with for cooking things with like tomatoes and other acidic foods, nonstick is a better. Uh, oh no, that's for not for stainless steel. That's for cast iron. Ugh, I cannot keep things track anymore. Um, it can leach, not necessarily leach. It it changes the flavor of things and can give you an off taste. Um, so I definitely don't use cast iron when I'm cooking with tomatoes and other things like that. Good to know. All right. Any last equipment, supplies, utensil information or advice that you can give us or want to give us before we move into um, shopping and meal planning and stuff? I don't really have any other, I guess, equipment things to talk sure. about, I guess. I okay. would say get a potato masher because I've had to <laughs> mash my own potatoes without one and it is the worst thing. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, I've been in that situation before. I used a fork and I ended up bending the fork. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally what I did. <laughs> that, was, that was back in my college days. <laughs> oh, this is like three weeks ago. I was oh. so mad. <laughs> uh, I guess another, I could list a couple of different uh, items that are helpful to, that I use, I guess. You definitely can not purchase all of these because they can get pretty expensive and the list can go on and on. But I really enjoy using a crock pot or a slow cooker. Uh, there are days where I could be working my normal eight hours versus up to 12 hours a day. So having uh, something to warm to come home too is really nice because I can prep it in the morning before I leave for work and then boom it's ready when I'm when I get home um I I concur as a <laughs> college student a graduate student who is in classes from eight to five every day um it's really nice to come home and not have to put an effort after spending all day in classes and clinic um it's very nice to come home to hot meals 
Um, you throw it, like Monica said, you throw it in the crock pot in the morning and then you come home and it's ready to go. So uh, highly recommend crock pots for those of you who are busy and don't want to put in the time or can't put in the time when you come home after work to make supper. Another one that I personally like is a rice cooker because I do like to make dishes that have rice in them as well. So I can make either a large quantity and I, or I can just kind of get things ready. I can plug it in and hit start. And by the time I get everything else prepped and ready to go, the rice is usually done. And I use my rice cooker a lot for meal prepping as well because uh, I can usually plan meals and like lunches and leftovers and I can add a little bit of rice to each thing. So works good for making a lot. Also, especially good if you have a steamer option in that. Really nice. Uh, another one is, I don't actually have one of these yet, and I am upset because I really would like one, is a food processor. Um, you can use a lot of different things. You can make salsas, you can chop, shred things in that. I unfortunately have to use my blender for things like that, and it's a lot more to clean and it's a bit of a hassle so a food processor I had one growing up don't have one now and it's annoying <laughs> <laughs> the things we take for granted <laughs> <laughs> exactly uh, and like monica said these are all things that she uses um, as a more advanced cook so when you're starting out you don't necessarily need all of them but um, crock pots pots pans sharp knives at least a sharp chef knife and paring knife um, are the highly recommended beginning like necessities of starting to cook your own food. And a potato masher, so you don't bend your forks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and we'll throw in a potato masher <laughs> based you. on Monica and Zach's <laughs> experiences. And if um, you get into baking too, then you get into other things like the rolling pins, the sheet pans, all of those. And mixers. I have really, I have the nice big KitchenAid mixer that is awesome. But you I definitely don't that. need something that <laughs> fancy if you're just learning out. <laughs> yeah. uh, when we were talking about the rice cooker, you talked about meal prep, which kind of goes hand in hand with meal planning because then you have to go grocery shopping. So that's a good segue right into the next bit where um what is your like how do you go about meal planning how do you go about shopping and uh what is your strategy how often do you go shopping and stuff like that because uh for me as a college student when i was going through school i would go shopping once or twice a week or just because i didn't plan very well and i never knew what I was going to be making or how often I was going to be making it. So uh, what are your strategies or tips and tricks related to that? Meal planning for is different for everybody. And, and the thing is, you have to kind of figure out what works best for you. Um, I, I do it rather simply for my meal plan is I just pick a handful of recipes that sound good to me at that time. And I just write them down and I write down the ingredients for that, and that's usually I try to stick to my grocery list. If I'm going grocery shopping when I'm hungry, I tend to add a few extra things to my <laughs> shopping cart. But I just basically pick whatever sounds good to me that for that week. I'll write either seven to ten recipes down, and um, I have a little calendar not calendar a little weekly meal thing in my kitchen that i can write down, down down those but i'm pretty flexible i don't have to do those that specific day um and sure. so my my way of meal planning is relatively simple some people like to plan out two weeks at a time some people can go as like a whole month which just is crazy to me because i'm too busy and <laughs> and things change daily so so you go shopping about once a week it sounds like yes and 
if there are times where I don't meal plan like this past week, uh, because I just didn't have time, I just, it's, it's a lot more stressful because I have to scramble and kind of use what I have in my pantry. Sure. Is there, is there anything that you like, like must haves that you always have on hand? And if you don't like you go to the store and go get them, like, like you make sure you have those at all times. Yeah. I actually, I try to keep a well-stocked pantry of a lot of different things. I have a lot of my, I have a spice drawer that is completely full. So I have a lot <laughs> of different spices. Um, cause that can really enhance just any dish in general, but I usually have garlic on hand because garlic goes with just about anything. Uh, I have a lot of different cooking oils like olive oil, vegetable oil, flowers, uh, sugar. Uh, let's see. I also keep a lot of like diced to canned tomatoes and beans and things like that because I can usually make any type of dish with or I can make any dish with those usually if I have those on hand as well as can just throw extra things to make it a little little fla extra flavor, I guess, as well. Yeah. Yeah, as a college student, the things that I always kept on hand were at least a dozen eggs, some spinach, some peppers, and then some spices because worst case scenario, I took 20 minutes to make a good scrambled egg sandwich mm -hmm. or something yeah i go um, through a lot of bell peppers as well <laughs> actually onions i i usually buy the big bags of onions and that lasts me a couple of weeks as well because I, yes. I throw those into just about any dish onions and garlic can really enhance and they're really subtle so and they're healthy mm -hmm. on top of that um, but they're really subtle flavors that can really just elevate a dish up so I I recommend yeah onions garlic two necessities to have when you're starting off cooking and rice I feel like rice yeah. is just a real <laughs> filler that's super easy yes rice and grains as well as pasta they store mm -hmm. for a very long time so you can buy a lot of it at one time at and then it just lasts for weeks to months depending on how fast you go through it. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And there's so much you can do with it, like spaghetti. You can make spaghetti and meatballs. You can throw spaghetti underneath a gravy. You can make carbonara. Like you can start very simple with spaghetti, but then also get really complex. Mm -hmm. um, you can also get smaller noodles for like, um, like penne noodles. They're the tubes that are a little pointy on each end. And those can be good underneath a pasta sauce, but you can also throw them in soup or you, you can, can also them bake in. that too. Mm -hmm. You can make yes. a baked penne really good. So uh, pastas are very beneficial to have um, just stocked up on in the case that you need a quick meal. Do you guys use milk a lot when you cook? I feel like I almost never use milk. Like anytime I buy it, it just ends up going bad the next week. I do use milk quite a bit, um, although I've switched to going half dairy milk and half non-dairy milk, so like almond milk or coconut milk. I actually use coconut milk quite a bit in my cooking now that I think about it. Um, and I usually buy a smaller one, just not like a full gallon, just because I don't use, I don't drink milk very often, so mm -hmm. I, it does go bad. So well, it sometimes does go bad. So I switch to using other ones as well in my cooking, um, just to because they do tend to have a longer shelf life. But a lot of people don't like the taste of different non-dairy milks, I guess. Mm. Um, but honestly, when I'm making like an Alfredo or anything on those lines, you can't replace dairy milk in my eyes. There's <laughs> <laughs> it just it tastes say it tastes better that way yeah creamier actual yeah, cream <laughs> yeah yeah and there's people who can't have dairy milk we acknowledge that mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. so use your substitutes when necessary mm -hmm. but, and there's tons um, of different options you can use if you want 
uh, like a cheese flavor in your things. You can use nutritional yeast, which I've just started experimenting with, and you can make um, like non-dairy cheeses as well with uh, like cashews or and that nutritional yeast. So there are other options. I just have not ventured too much into them just yet. That's kind of what I've been experimenting with lately. Sure. But yeah. And if I'm, if I know if what I'm going to be making that week, that's why I do my type of meal planning and I write down my grocery list. And I also write down the quantity in that re recipe. I can better plan so I don't get, if I need only a cup of heavy cream, I'll, I know that I only need to get a small carton rather than like a whole quart or something. Right. Yes, definitely strategize and write down quantities because you don't want to go and get a gallon of milk when you need a cup of it and now you have the rest of your milk sitting in the fridge <laughs> because you have no other re use for it not that i've ever done that ever what do you mean? <laughs> yeah i use milk mainly when i use my milk more for baking and stuff so i don't use it so much in cooking but i also I did a lot of crockpot cooking, which is different than meal cook cooking every night for your meals because crockpots have more, you need more liquid to keep it moist, but you also don't want it to be too liquidy because like then drowning. it flows as it starts to cook and heat up everything. So um, I use a lot more soups in my crock pot cooking than I do milk as a creamer. So I use cream of mushroom, cream of chicken, cream of potato soups um, in my crock pot cooking rather than using milk to make it creamy. And usually when I'm adding milk to things like soup and things like that, it's usually the last item because you don't want to, you don't want it to stay hot for very long because it can curdle then. So that's usually one of the last few items that I'm adding to a soup or things like mm. that. If I'm making an Alfredo, then yes, it goes in rather early. Right, depending on the recipe. But ideally, milk does not stay hot for very long because then it curdles and gets like a film or it gets curds in it. And it's just, it's not a pleasant smell nor look so even if it tastes good nobody the wants appeal the is, cheese alfredo yeah the appeal has gone away so um <laughs> milk is beneficial in making things creamier but be careful and watch it like a hawk so that it doesn't get super hot to the point where it curdles i tend to use sour cream for a lot of things um uh, i i was making a sauce the other day it was uh for like a pork chop something um and it was like shallots and sour cream and a beef stock and it was so good mm. but um it was like that creaminess came from the sour cream obviously but again like it was the last thing i had to add and it would have to be on very low heat otherwise it probably either would have like started burning or as you guys said curdling mm -hmm. yeah and so for those people who don't like meal prepping or they don't have time to grow grocery shopping especially now during a pandemic where people aren't going out as much for whatever reason, they're planning more strategic grocery shopping trips. Um, there are pre-packaged meal planning kits that you can get. Uh, I don't even know all the different options that Ooh, are out there. Can I plug mine? Yeah, because go for it's it. So like, okay, obviously not sponsored, but I use HelloFresh, which kind of expensive a little bit, but super like, the food that you make is so good and it's so easy. The only things that you have to have on hand are, depending on what you're making, like mostly just butter, salt and pepper, and then like pots and pans and knives. That's it. Um, like you don't need anything fancy um, except for maybe a potato masher, which is why I bent my fork because I don't have one. Um, and like maybe a zester and that's it. Like those are the only things that I've needed. And it's super easy and the food is so good. And it just comes to you in like a little box and you just have food for the week. And it's like a little subscription service. I love it. 
That's how I do my meal planning now. Again, not a sponsor. Correct. Not a sponsor, <laughs> but like it's so But like, if they want so to helpful. if they want to, shout out to HelloFresh. We would be okay with sponsorships. I actually did something similar as well to that. We actually used Home Chef, which was the same same concept where you pick your meals and they send it mm -hmm. to you. And I think that's a great thing when you're starting to learn how to cook because it gives you all the ingredients you need. And it there's usually, because when you go to the store, usually you have to buy a big bag of something and usually use only a little bit of that and the rest goes to waste. So you don't have that with these and you can explore different different dishes and figure out what you like and it also is an easy way to master your basic skills like how to chop vegetables or learning how to saute things for different times and different heat settings so it's it's a great way to learn and it's and it's those easy recipes come right with the box correct? correct yes. and you can keep them and you can make a little book out of them and it's wonderful <laughs> And they usually taste really good. Yeah, they're they're so good. I'm like, I can't believe I made this. Like, what? No, I made that, and it's delicious, and I'm super proud of it. Home Chef is also not a sponsor, but <laughs> maybe Give someday. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> accepting sponsorships, but this is not one. <laughs> awesome. So there's a lot of different ways that you can get started. Um, really for cost-effective ways to get started into cooking, whether you want to have a subscription service send you over your meal prep, if you want to do it yourself, you can go on Pinterest or YouTube. The supplies is very minimal. Sharp knives, pots, pans, uh, a potato masher for those of you who like the starch. Um, you. But really, like, there's so many options that you can go to just get started uh, so cost effectively. And it's so good. Uh, one of the one of the things that I always enjoyed about coming home to a pot of a crock pot of chili or a crock pot of stew is knowing that I put it together and I made it and now I get to enjoy it on the flip on the flip side. That's pretty rewarding, too. It's like knowing that you put in the time and effort to make these things and you get to taste it and reap the benefits of that effort. And it's like with any cooking, not just crock pot cooking. Like if you're experimenting and like you make a dish and it like turns out amazing, that's like so encouraging to keep trying new dishes. And even if it turns out bad, it's like, well, what can you do to like tweak it? And like, how can you make it good? And like, so then there's like that challenge aspect too. And then once you do make it good, again, encouragement. Yeah, most definitely. Um, and if you're like Monica, I'm gonna give um, my other some other my friends up with them. There, Monica and another one of our friends who will be on the podcast in the future, um, Monica and Sam, have soup day soup days on the weekend where they come together and they make different pots of soup. So now there's two to three different pots of soup on the stove that they try and that's their lunch or supper, whatever they have. Um, Cause we got to enjoy some of that this last weekend when we went up to visit them. It was so good. And it was things I wouldn't have even thought of. Most definitely like, and they each made their own, they were responsible for their own, but then they came together and we got to try some of all of them. Mm. It was so neat and it was so good. So that's another way of just getting different recipes is, meet other people who are wanting to cook or willing to cook for you host a dinner party and make some of your good food you can trade recipes with the guests that you have coming over mm -hmm. um, those are all great ways to expand your horizons um because the soups that we had over the weekend uh i don't know if monica wants to talk about what she made we had a Chicken tortilla soup, which is really good. Um, what else did we have, Zach or Monica? Yeah, start. It started off as just one Sam and I sitting one day on the couch, and or no, I was cooking in the kitchen, obviously, and we were just 
were saying how we both really like soup and we wanted to, and we kept hearing about these chili cook-offs and things like that. And I made a joke about, we should do a soup herbal with just us. And and it just kind of started <laughs> off like I that. that. So we, we put together a long list like chowders and chilies and chicken noodle and and different styles of soup. And we would just, yeah, just pick one and we would each bring our own dish. And, and that's a one thing that I really like about cooking as well is it's it's a sense of community. It brings people together and you can try different things. And and so the, the day that you guys came was our, I guess, wild card. It was kind of whatever you wanted to make. And so I just picked a recipe that I couldn't really even pronounce. Um, and so it was a Polish uh, soup, and I'm probably going to butcher how to pronounce this. <laughs> Zupa Ogorokoa. And was it, that the dill pickle it, soup? It's a dill pickle soup. And yeah. it was, I, I went into it thinking, wow, this is going to be weird. I'm totally going to make this. It probably won't even be that good. But it surprisingly turned out pretty, pretty good. I, I was a little surprised. Um, yeah, not not your standard soup. Yeah, oh, and yeah. And so once you got past that initial shock yeah. of like, oh, it was good. Yeah, I, I I definitely would not have ever thought to make this, and I was kind of surprised that this is apparently part of my heritage because I am Polish, of Polish descent, and yeah, it was very neat, and would not have thought of that. And Sam made a. I want to say it was a, it was like a garlic soup. So it With started off, yeah, yeah, it was, <laughs> I think it was from, I think it was from Spain, but I don't 100% remember, but it was a very, I guess, popular dish. She, it was how you start to make a chili oil. So you you bloom the different spices with the paprika and the and the garlic in oil until they get very fragrant. And then she added in her her um, her stock. And that was basically the main point of the dish was those different spices and aromas. Yeah. And then you she topped it with croutons. And it was good. It was definitely it was definitely a different soup, but it was it was good. Yeah, definitely. And uh, that's what's so neat about it is that like they had three different foreign soups that they came together. <laughs> Zach and I talked about the chili enchilada one. Um, so they had a Central America inspired one. They had a, um, one descendant from Spain and one from Poland. And it's like that was all in one meal. Like how neat is that? And while. And you, usually were... they're a little more structured. Um, we'll have, I think our next one is Asian inspired soups. Um, oh, so they neat. are a little bit more structured. This one was just the, whatever you want to make. Cause we were, usually we have ones that we really want to make, but for a certain or two different soups that we really want to make one time, but we can only make one soup. So we save it for another time. And, yeah, I think that's so cool that you guys just come together and do that. And you get three different soups, but you only have to make one. Like, that's what's so cool about it is your meals made because you have three different soups to choose from. Um, so I was really grateful that we got to sit in on that because that was super neat. Um, and soups are an easy way to get experience into cooking without having to spend a lot of time over the stove because you can soups you can throw into the pot and you stir it together you can keep chopping up things you don't have to watch it as closely as if you were um, sauteing some vegetables or something so. and spoiler alert a lot of the ones that i've done for our soup days have been crock pot ones <laughs> so even less work and watching yeah yeah, so soups are a great way to get started into cooking, um, especially if you're limited on the amount of time that you have to make it. So, Monica, do you have any last 
tips, tricks, information regarding to cooking that you want to cover? Yes. I have a couple extra ones, and that is season as you go, season and taste as you go. Other than if you're cooking with like raw chicken or things, um, <laughs> or if you're cooking with vegetables or so or things like that, take a taste. It might need a little extra salt. It might need a little, a little kick of spice. So as you, if you season as you go, you can get a better idea of what the dish the dish will taste like in the end. And that way you don't have to add a bunch of seasoning at the very end as well. Yes. The earlier you season, the more those aromas and flavors can meld into the rest of the dish. And my last tip is to have fun. Experiment with your food. Um, try different flavor pairings and um, try cooking with a different ingredient and just kind of learn about the different. I guess, ingredients. When The more you learn and continue to cook, the better you become and the more fun it can be. Yes. Cooking is an art and a science. Yes, it and doesn't so, have to be a chore all the time. Yes. It, it should be always a be a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> or a profession, I guess, if you enjoy it enough. But start out as a hobby. That's true. It doesn't have to be hard. Just pick yeah. simple ingredients and simple recipes and go from there. That's awesome. Well, thank you for joining us today, Monica. Um, that's going to wrap up this lesson of Random 101. If you have any questions for myself, Zach, or Monica, you can send them to random101podcast at gmail.com, and we'll answer those in a future episode. Otherwise, class dismissed.